Hey guys, welcome back to Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. A little joke for the day. It's not really a joke. Solidly into the COVID-19 quarantine. Uh, This is episode 15, Rat Racer. Uh, Today I want to talk about the rat race and the famous quote attributed to um, Lily Tomlin, awesome comedian, uh, of saying that even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. And I've sort of alluded to this in previous episodes that we are born having made some agreements with the world that we were never, never had a chance to discuss um, and how that frustrates me. And part of this is the rat race. Now, like, like everything um, on KEW, it's coming from my privileged white American perspective. And I'm going to do my best to sort of empathize and think about how the rat race may affect other people or may not. Certainly some people aren't even fortunate enough to be born into the rat race or ever even get to participate uh, in this system that I'll describe here in a bit. Um, And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, uh, because once you sort of hear my opinion of the rat race, (laughs) you might believe I envy people that um, sort of miss out on this. So, um, you know, maybe this doesn't happen all over the world. Maybe this is a purely white American thing, but it doesn't seem like that. Um, You know, uh, the, the, the quest for wealth and good jobs, as I'll describe, um, seem to be a pretty universal thing and, and seem to be the accepted solution to all of our problems. Um, but anyway, let's get into it. So, you know, I, a good example of, the, of, of, well, I used to teach my students, I used to say, and, and actually when I was a graduate student, because my college post-secondary education experience was sort of atypical. I I was asked when I was a PhD student to come to freshman classes and talk to students about um, their future and sort of what they thought they were supposed to do. And what I learned, both from my experience and in doing that, is that people tend to assume that life is kind of linear. And I think I've mentioned this before. Again, from, from my limited perspective, you know, that you're born... You learn some stuff, you maybe graduate high school, you maybe go to college, and ultimately get a job that provides you money to live uh, in society. And that's sort of the basic gist of it. And for those that were on the college track, it was sort of um, do good in school so you get into the right college, get into the right college so you get the right job, get the right job, marry the right person, have the right family, buy the right house, buy the right car, live in the right neighborhood, uh, handle your assets well and have the right retirement. And, and it was really, you know, we were sold this linear uh, progression of life and sort of told that this was the measure by uh, how you'd be measured as far as achievement and it will bring you happiness. I learned really early on that life wasn't linear. And so my message to these students was that life isn't linear and don't put these expectations on yourself and uh, instead, be open for opportunities that may take you off of that linear path into more interesting and potentially more rewarding. And that, that you should always be w- looking for opportunities and 
and sort of hopefully have the sense using your gut uh, to take those opportunities when they come up and, 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 and understand that it might not be linear. Uh, because my experience certainly wasn't linear. And anyway, I think that belief sort of held people back. And that, and that sort of linear path is, is really what I'm getting at um, when I talk about the rat race. And, it, and if you think about the rat race, essentially what they're saying is, in order to live, you need money. And in order, so if you want to live well, you need more money. And if you don't make much money, you won't live well. Um, and how do you do that? And so the prescription was to do good in school, go to college, get a good job. And then the rest of the stuff just sort of, all right, you got the good job. Now what do you do? And, and that was the family and the house and the car and the picket fence and, and the retirement plan. <clears throat> and, you know, that was a pretty good post-World War II uh, solution to the Depression. It makes sense. The problem is I, I, that I have with the rat race because even if you win, you're still a rat. And what that means is, in order to play that game, you have to accept the value system of money being the driving force behind happiness. And again, Dak Shepard, Armchair Expert Podcast, one of my favorites, he always says he thought once he had enough money, all of his problems would go away. And what he found is that that amount of money kept going up higher and higher, and his happiness level didn't change. And so those things really aren't correlated, and money is certainly not a causal factor in your happiness. And so by participating in the rat race, you forego or you forget or you aren't trained or encouraged to pay attention to these other values and these other metrics of, of life. And in my experience... It's actually pretty rare. You can re, you can be the winning rat and still not have achieved anything else as far as the personal growth, personal satisfaction, happiness, contentment, all these other things. And maybe contentment is the best word there, or satisfaction, not happiness necessarily. That, to me, are, are important to living a successful and meaningful human life. And the thing about the rat race is, again, you're never really told about it. I didn't really, you know, I knew I was rebelling against something in high school because um, I just didn't agree with how we were assessed. You know, I didn't see these correlations. You know, if you perform well in school, that means you are smart. If you are smart, you will do better. But really, you know, I don't, I don't think any of those things are actually really correlated you really were just trying to perform to some prescribed metrics. And the assumption was that if your metrics were good enough, then you will be selected to continue to perform as you moved from phase to phase in the race. You know, it's, it's, it's like Monopoly or some video game where, you know, if you find the right sword at level six, then you'll unlock the door to level seven with powers that will help you solve that level. And if you don't find the sword and you end up at level seven, you don't have the powers to complete the level and you get stuck. And I just don't, I don't, you know, that was really just a matter of luck and probably more, more like, um, you know, your, your kinship or nepotism or the color of your skin or, or, or the membership to the right country club, um, then it, then, then, then really some performance based metric. And, and, and so 
I thought in myself, I, I knew that I had the qualities to be a good employee and a successful person, but I just wasn't able to perform in the metrics necessarily. I didn't have the right grades or the right pedigree. Uh, and so this, this, this continuity really confused me. And I said, you know what, this is a scam. And so, you know, since high school, I've sort of thought the rat race really is just a scam. And, and all that it does is, you know, get you an invitation to a party um, where nobody really wants to dance with you. Um, and so why, why do you want to go? And, and why you want to go is, you know, that's what we're taught. And we don't really have any other alternative choices. Um, and so the big weakness in my approach is that in, do we do, in fact, need money. I can't imagine being homeless. I can't imagine what it does to you spiritually and just sort of health-wise. Um, and if you don't have any money to provide yourself with food and shelter, that is a serious potential consequence. And, I, you know, my naive Pollyannish hippie self just didn't want to have that relationship with money. And so I just sort of said, I just won't have any. Luckily, at my first marriage, I married someone that had the money and I thought was comfortable with me not working and taking care of the kids and not really, I didn't need that. And, you know, I, I, but I, but I, but I did need it, you know? Um, and in my, my marriage now, my wife is the professional and I'm currently unemployed and, uh, working on some other things. Um, owned a business that, that brought in a little bit of money, but still on my own, I am not very good at the rat race. And if it weren't for other people, taking care of me, I would essentially, I'd be pretty bad off. And I would have to take a job and participate in the rat race and, and be sort of that miserable um, cubicle worker from office space. Uh, so I'm very fortunate and thankful and, and, and all, all those things. And I, and I can't, don't really have any room to talk because I'm not coming from the perspective of having suffered um, the lack of those things. So it's really easy for me to say, who oh, you don't need money, man. Um, which was my fundamental belief. Somehow it's worked out, but only for, for pure luck. It's nothing that I've done to be able to survive well with no money. It simply isn't true. Uh, just somebody else provides that for me, just like they did when I was a kid. So there is that element to this whole argument, and, and I'll just state my assumptions up front and, and be completely uh, open with that. But 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 the point is I fundamentally believe you don't have to participate in the rat race. But you do unfortunately need money. And so that's when it comes up my conspiracy theory comes out. I mean, and other people have said this, especially I'm, I'm talking America and I don't know how well this applies in other places because I I haven't lived there, but I assume that it's fairly universal that when you were born to society wants you to be a contributing member. And one of the ways an American government has been designed is that contributing members pay taxes. Those taxes can be used to improve the public services and uh, create that society. And so in order to be a good taxpayer, they want you to make money, which is funny because in the end, the wealthy people figure out ways to pay fewer taxes and the 1% anyway, and, and the super wealthy, the, the, the middle class, the upper class pay a buttload of taxes for all these things. And, and then people that don't make much money don't, and, and maybe that's fair, maybe that's not. But anyway, uh, 
society needs us to follow this rat race, to, to be in the rat race. They need us to play that game because it's the way it works. They need us to go to school and become obedient, non-independent thinking drones, and dare I say sheep, and I think this is probably related to a lot of libertarian arguments, and I don't want to get involved with that because, A, I don't understand them, and B, I don't really feel good about um, what I've read about those sort of political movements. Uh, all I'm saying is that I, I really think we are trained at, uh, from birth to be contributing members of society to, and to accept this value system um, and that when we don't perform, then society suffers. And, and you know, and that, that, that idea is good. You know, I, I do think in it like an egalitarian or um, um, utopic society, everybody contributes and everybody benefits and everybody has a fairly equivalent um, reward, whether that's money or whatever. But anyway, I, I wish I could verbalize this a little bit better, but, you know, we're born having agreed to play this game. And theoretically, if you play it well, you're rewarded. And maybe that's true. I don't think it is. I certainly don't think it's fair to people with different skin colors or different religious backgrounds or different um, sexual orientations. You know, there's favoritism in the rat race. And so right there, it's flawed. Uh, and, and of course, the biggest thing is the promise of a payoff of eternal happiness, I believe just doesn't exist, at least probably very rarely. Um, so it's a flawed system. What there, you know, um, so, so not everybody obviously has the same opportunity to be successful in the rat race. Some people don't have, um, you know, I look at this in sort of stages, zero to five, where you're going through ages zero to five, you're going through, you know, development and in, in a stable household with parents that love you and friends and family that support you, you know, you have a, you have the ability to pursue that development in a, a healthy way that allows you to fully develop as uh, to your potential for that stage. Not everybody has that, you know, one of the most horrible stories I know, a friend of mine, uh, adopted a kid that he taught in high school who had watched his mother drown his brother in the bathtub when he was like three, you know, so, so right. Not everybody has, has um, a protected zero to five developmental stage. Um, those of us that do, I think, uh, I think it, 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 I'm sure research shows this, but my belief is that if you are allowed to develop your personality, you know, to sort of be protected from, the influence of the rat race uh, or the evils of the world in a comfortable way before you're five, you have a significant leg up and then that, then that prepares you for the next stage. I don't know how to <clears throat> manufacture a world where everybody gets that. And I'm sorry that they don't. Uh, but I think it's important. And like for me, I was very lucky to be allowed to explore the world on my own terms uh, without a whole lot of influence. Um, uh, of, of the rat race. You know, I wasn't told I had to play football or I wouldn't be important or I had to play golf or I had to be, you know, an A student yet. None of that, none, nobody cared about any of that. I was, I was free to explore the world as one should. And then you got your K through 12, uh, sort of period from maybe five to 18 where 
you're developing sense of self, um, and you necessarily should be influenced by peers as well as, as adults. And, you know, to a certain extent that can be good or that can be bad. And I think what we see in American school systems is some people perform well in the prescribed metric measurement of quality and sense of worth based on grades and performance and the way you look and all these other things. And some people don't. Some people don't graduate high school uh, for lots of different reasons. Um, And some people are valedictorian and the, the star football player or whatever. So a lot of failures in that system. And we could talk for multiple episodes about my opinions about the public school system, especially since um, No Child Left Behind and SOLs. But I don't know how to fix it, so I can't really complain about it. I just think that it's it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. But one thing that public school does is it continue your training for the rat race by telling you that these performance-based metrics like grades translate to performance-based metrics like how much you earn. And if you do well and work hard, then you can achieve the dream of being a wealthy person, and that will necessarily make you happy. Yeah, not everybody does that. Some people drop out. Some people never develop a um, relationship with money in a sense that they're working a legitimate job and and on the fast track to being promoted and all those things. Some people are in an environment where they have to turn to crime to make money. And, I, you know, I'm always fascinated uh, by sort of, I watch a lot of drug documentaries and, you know, wonder about the solution uh, to our drug problems and the whole war on drugs. And as a, as a stoner for 10 years of my life, i always believe legalization and sort of decriminalization of those things uh, would be a better route. But anyway, a lot of people drop out of high school and need a way to make money and turn to illegal things, crime, uh, robbery, um, um, drugs. And that, unfortunately, especially if you're non-white, can drastically alter your capacity for the rest of your life to to perform within the system. Um, That's a whole other situation, but I'm just trying to empathize the best I can with people that, and reasons why you, you can't participate in the rat race that are probably actually worse situations than, than being in the rat race itself. So even though I play the rat race off as being this terrible, wicked thing, it, it, it really is a, a functional system. Um, it just doesn't do what it says it's supposed to do. And we don't have the choice. And that irritates me. Um, yeah, I mean, if you do believe in personal freedoms and free will, and that's important, and we have these constitutional rights, then shouldn't you be pretty angry that our society intentionally does this, um, again, to, to raise good, obedient citizens? Um, anyway, so so you, you've got this sort of um, system with uh, money being the measurement of success that has a very unequal means of, of selection for whether or not people have the opportunities. A lot of inherent flaws. That doesn't deliver uh, to very many people. I would say has a very low success rate of delivering on the promise of happiness. Um, so that gets me, I guess, enough of sort of the background. I, ho- I hope I've, I've sort of illustrated that uh, well enough. And the, I think people probably have an idea what just didn't need all that anyway. You say the rat race, you know what, what we mean. What I just wanted to add is that we don't get to have a choice. It's, um, 
or, or the choice is hidden and the alternatives kind of suck because if you don't have money, it's really difficult to, to play uh, in the world. So the, the question then becomes, how do you make money but not participate? And we'll get to that. First, I want to just sort of mention, you know, what, what about all the other measures of human success? You know, how happy you are, how content you are, how well-loved you are, what your support network looks like, your, your tribal membership, and, your, and your, the other values that we can have that aren't related to money. Those aren't really in there. They're promised as a side effect of having money, but it just isn't true, I don't think, for very many people. And then I'll sort of say, you know, the research shows that somewhere between sixty to seventy thousand dollars annual income for an American family um, is the threshold below which you struggle and suffer because you don't have enough money, and beyond which there really isn't any gains. The more money you make, as far as your level of contentment, so unfortunately, there is some minimum um, amount of money that a person and family needs to survive in the world as we, as it exists now. Now, maybe that could be changed. Maybe we could go to some sort of more egalitarian or like Native American uh, like or tribal uh, Polynesian Island uh, culture uh, and and alleviate some of these pains. Um, Maybe not. I don't don't know. I I really don't know. I just um, suffice to say is, you know, one of the Inherent rules of the rat race is money, and, and sure, you got to have some of that. But then the question is, if you are a person, well, I think all people should be taught early on that money is not the secret to success, because in addition to money, your value systems and your human basic human needs for love, you know, money might buy you safety, money might buy you uh, biological needs of food and shelter. But it's not going to fulfill the other basic needs, the emotional support, the love uh, that, a, that a human <clears throat> has to have. And, and I don't know why we, t- we don't talk about that. I guess, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is a, that rat race is an evil design system to rob people of their happiness or prevent them from being loved. But it, as much work and effort as we put into playing the rat race well and, and achieving, we ought to be putting... Those that level of effort into meeting the other basic human needs. And I think if you look at the occurrence and prevalence of anxiety and depression, mental health issues, uh, suicide, and all these other things, it sort of suggests that maybe we, the neglect of those needs, and, and let's just call it love, uh, has, is leading to problems. And so why not, with money, you know, put these other basic human needs in, encourage those, reward those, measure those, uh, and track those, and help people remember that they also have to meet those basic human needs too um, in order to at least, the very least, to stave off or, or alleviate or, or not, dare I say, prevent or just minimize and reduce the suffering that can happen um, because money itself is not going to do it. That, that's all I'm really saying. So maybe the rat race stays, but there's other things involved. And then it wouldn't be called a rat race anymore. Maybe we call it a cuttlefish race, or maybe we call it a kitten race, um, or something to indicate that um, 
money is not the solution to all the problems. And you can have capitalism without that. And, and I really think if you took two or three generations, did it some, so here's a thought experiment. What, what if we did encourage the entire cohort that's born this year, let's say, or the next five years, and nurtured them in such a way through those stages, zero to five, you know, and, and sort of maximized the awareness of the need for safety, money, food, shelter, and as well as love and healthy, uh, emotional, uh, and physical, all the physical and emotional needs met. Maybe that's the umbrella, you know, come up with that collection of terms and then figure out ways to nurture those things and to remind people of those things and encourage people to develop those skills to support those needs and add that in to the, you got to make good grades. You got to get a good job. You got to marry the right person. You got to have the right house. You know, um, you got to meditate, you know, you know, whatever it is that you add into those things and then, and then measure the same metrics at the end, the happiness, the safety, uh, the financial satisfaction. Um, you know, what is maybe it's like the $70,000 a year family income thing. Maybe there's a meditate two hours a week or take a nature walk once a week or, you know, to, um, spend X amount of time on personal growth or, or whatever it is that we can rank, measure, track that that part of our health. So in addition to financial health, which directly contributes to society by being a good taxpayer, maybe you also measure your emotional health, which contributes to society by reducing the crime rate or or or, or mentoring younger people to be more emotionally um, fit or healthy or whatever. You know, build that stuff into the system to see if there's any difference. I can almost, I mean, who's going to argue with me that doing those sorts of things would not lead um, to a better world, right? But money has, and here, I, I've talked about this before, money has value that everybody understands. If you have more money, people recognize that that is a benefit. If you have more emotional health, not only do people not necessarily recognize that as being a benefit, there are people out there that are going to make fun of you. In fact, you know, on, on my uh, Facebook page and my podcast, I get comments all the time that I'm an idiot, you know, get out of my way. Like people, people don't like to talk about this and especially older white men, to, to them, this is a lot of gibberish. Emotional health is a joke. Is is some is some stupid quality of life metric that isn't real. Um, so there's plenty of people that, that that would object to this, and maybe rightfully so. I would love it if somebody would have a discussion with me about why all these ideas are stupid or uh, or, or whatever. Because to me, it just seems absolutely asinine not to. Um, be concerned about our emotional health um, and, or, you know, and, and these other things that I'm not aware of and can't put names on besides just the money. You know, it's like I always would tell students and that maybe I'll have a couple of examples here. One, you know, if you can't write well and communicate well, you could be the smartest person in the world, but nobody's going to know. So you have to develop this suite of skills um, to justify or, or if you ever want to share your ideas with somebody. And the same thing goes with uh, like animal husbandry. When I worked in the pet world, you can be, you can do all you can to regulate the temperature of your aquarium right at 78 where this species of fish really needs to be. But if you're not, if you're, if they're, 
inherently algivores and you're feeding them a high protein diet, they're not going to be nurtured. So, you know, it's the weakest link. It's the lowest common denominator that's going to hold you back. So if we are not addressing the basic core tenets of what it what a human being needs to live a healthy life, say there's four. Three of those could be at 110%. If one's at 20%, the overall quotient is 20%. Do you see what I'm saying? So if we're not spending time identifying what we need <laughs> as people, or worse yet, assuming that that one thing is money and success and recognition or whatever, then these other bars, these other needs are going to be low, you know, at some minimal level, and that's going to bring everything else down. And that is the classic scenario you see with people that get rich, um, like actors, um, athletes, entertainers, musicians that go from, you know, struggling like a normal person to all of a sudden having more money than they know what to do with. What's the common story that you hear? You know, they blow it all, they're depressed, they kill somebody, they kill themselves, uh, they're miserable, whatever. They do a lot of dumb crap that we don't understand. Um, And it's just, you know, it's because they're just like us, except it's even worse because they're supposed to be happy and they're not. And that's probably the worst thing you can possibly have. I mean, imagine struggling with thinking the solution to your problem is to make a million dollars. You make a million dollars you got the same problems. That's got to mess with your head. So now you feel guilty. You feel like a big failure. Why am I not happy? It's my fault. I mean, that I would not want to feel like that. So anyway, um, so if you look at last episode, I talked about um, the two fundamental needs as I see them that, that sort of evolved in the 45 minutes that I actually recorded that podcast video. The basic human needs can be backed up all the way upstream to love and safety. Well, money definitely gets at the safety thing, right? At least that's the idea. And I don't know where along the line we assumed that it would take care of everything else. Maybe we assumed this love need and these other emotional needs that humans have didn't exist or that money would do that. Um, But anyway, I, I hope that we can admit that the rat race, as it is today, and winning the rat race is still going to leave this part of a human existence, soul, whatever, unnurtured. Not going to do anything for that. So the presumption could be that, well, you got to spend your money on that. Buy yourself time to meditate. Buy yourself time to have a life coach. Um, buy yourself time to go to retreats or, 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 or whatever it is, but we just don't do that. So I don't know if we forgot about it, didn't know about it, aren't aware of it. Um, and then the next step would then be, okay, we have a missing support system here. We have a missing um, training system here. We have a missing, you know, look at all the things we have for money. You go to school, you learn stuff, you go to college, you make money. we got all these things all lined up. And maybe they do good um, to make money. Maybe they don't. I would argue that they don't really, that that's all because you're white. Uh, privileged, then you get stuff. Um but what if what do we need to do? We've, we're already on the right track. We have psychologists, we have psychiatrists, we have um, social systems. You know, we have um, all sorts of different ways to mindfulness meditation uh, apps on our phone. We we have some knowledge about how to how to how to fill in that missing leg of the human support system and society. But 
what I see is missing is the incentive. You know, how do we make that's not in our constitution. I'm not even sure it's in the Bible. How do we miss this? Is that, is that the problem? Did we just, are we just unaware? I mean, have I come up with some amazing, you know, um, serendipitous, revel, uh, revelatory tenet of life that it's important to nurture our emotional needs? Uh, you know, come on. I don't think that. Why? Why do we not have that? Why is there a societal stigma against nurturing the emotional side of a human besides just uh, uh, being um, good contributors to society and earning money? Because I think there is a stigma. You know, I, I do not go to Tractor Supply to buy chicken food and talk to the people there about this kind of stuff. You know, I... Even my family sort of is like, why are you so smart? And I don't think I'm smart. I'm just really interested in people living better lives. Maybe it's just me. But, you know, either way, we'd have to decide as a society that these things are important. And, that, and that's, the, that's the critical part. Or we get a bunch of the people together that do think it's important and do it ourselves. You know, and, and I think lots of people are doing this. The people that I follow on Twitter, um, the life coaches, the psychologists, you know, people are attempting to deal with this stuff. But, you know, I don't know. Does it need to be integrated into our political system? Does it need to be integrated into uh, laws? You know, I, I don't know what the realm of or is it up to each one of us individually to do these things? I don't think that's fair. Um you know, we are, we are tribal. Um, so maybe, maybe that's the next sort of exploratory step is that, that that's happening right here and in real time to get to a point where in addition to money and, um, achievement and these other things that, that obviously, can be the difference at $70,000, apparently, uh, between people being comfortable enough to explore things like their emotional um, needs. Uh, and, may, and maybe that's it. Maybe just for so long we didn't have the luxury time. We, hadn't, we didn't meet the safety, minimum safety threshold standards as measured by some amount of money um, to explore this sort of stuff. But I would say, you know, this is a critical element for the human race. Um, because I think emotional health might actually, as a society, if we had that, it might take care of a lot of the problems that we have today. Empathy for your fellow person, concern about the condition of the planet, um, you know, uh, some awareness of abuses to the existing rat race system where things like the 1% having all the money uh, or big corporations, you know, being allowed to abuse the environment in the name of money, lobbying, and all these other things that maybe don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, some, there's something here. And I would love uh, to hear how you, what you think about that and, you know, help me follow this evolution of 
you know, safety and love and, and what that means and what, and what sort of changes can happen in the world to, uh, and what sort of utopian benefits we may get from a world that actually cares about that sort of thing. Um, or you can tell me I'm full of shit. That's totally legitimate. <laughs> so this has been, oops, sorry. This has been fun. This has been episode 15, Rat Racer. Maybe you're one. Maybe I'm one. Maybe none of us are. Knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. I'm Chris Bircher. I'll see you next time. Thanks, as always, for your curiosity. Mm-hmm.